Okay, good morning. <laughs> Unless it's evening. Hey, we used to record the evening. Now recording in the morning, we've grown up. We've matured. <laughs> we now get up with an alarm clock in the morning and stuff like that. So yeah. we're, we're we're adults. We're adulting now. We're adults. <laughs> I'm afraid uh, I did that too long ago. <laughs> well, you know, I'm adulting now. I'm on a vacation this week, so I'm not using an alarm clock. Whenever I'm off, I don't do that. Let your body just wake up. When you wake up, I still wake up around five thirty-six. So <laughs> once your body's used to it, it's that internal alarm clock. Yeah, that's good though. Like um, there's a guy that goes to my church, and um, he's like a project manager at a big company, and he's he wakes up at like four thirty in the morning to get ready for work, and he's like, I don't set an alarm anymore. Like the the only alarm set is for my wife because she struggles getting up in the morning. Yeah, he's gonna get her up to make breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't have an alarm. He just wakes up naturally every, even on his days off. He just wakes up naturally at that time. So I need an alarm clock, but that's my normal four, four to four thirty. Yeah, I need that to get. I mean, honestly, for you, the listener, sometimes maybe you've wondered why Mark and I talk about the Bible like this, like we do. But if you want to have time in your life to read it, you got <laughs> morning is the best time for me, and I think it's probably the better time to do it before your day, but. In order to have all the time I need to get stuff done in the morning before yeah. I go to work. Yeah. I mean, Bible reading and breakfast and shower and uh, working on music and that kind of stuff. You, three to four hours before work is necessary. Well, you got to make time at some point. Yeah. I mean, you have to yeah. force time just like almost anything now because, like for you, you got work, remodeling house, school. Yeah. Life somewhere in between. I think school is <laughs> so. is close to almost done. Good. I talked to uh, Miss Bishop yesterday. I should be graduating in May, maybe. Nice. It's suddenly, I sit down with uh, President Thompson to talk about one uh, thing I have to do with him, and he says the words, you're a senior now. I'm like, well, I didn't think about that. I just feel like a kid in, <laughs> sc- just feel like a kid in school. <laughs> oh, goodness. So me, me and David are catching up just a little bit because we haven't really talked a whole lot. Yeah. A lot of life has happened since then, so yeah, tons of life. Tons of life. You're you're uh you're somebody now in Greer. I'm a somebody. I'm a <laughs> pastor now, a main pastor, which is weird. So I transitioned from churches. So yeah. So different uh, stress levels. There's still. I mean, there was stress in my old job. There's stress here, but it's a different kind of stress. It's really weird. Yeah. But the hard part is, you know, if it fails, it's on my shoulders. It's, I can't put a blame on somebody else. It's on me. So yeah, but stress here, if you get mad, you can just yell at somebody because you're the guy. Usually (laughs) Mark, you stupid idiot. (laughs) Cause no one else is going to listen to it. So I might as well yell at myself. So anyway, you you need to hire somebody to come in and just listen to you. uh, Dude, that sounds like a great idea. Blast them all the time. Hey, you're going to be my associate. What's my job? Just to listen to me, Vent. Just listen. I'm blasting at you all day long. And to take my licking. To take the licking. (laughs) I'm going to be yelling at you all the time just to get my frustrations out. (laughs) Main frustration is what? Oh, church people. (laughs) They're so sweet. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, we think we were somewhere between Genesis 42 and 45, and we have gone back, sorry, we've gone back and tried to determine where we actually were in our notes, but that doesn't really compute. What's up? 
<laughs> I figured you're gonna edit that out. What you're looking at, Zach? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just showing like low volume, and I was just turning your mic up. So okay. Uh, anyway, we were just uh, trying to just figure out where we were in our notes, but we know we're with Joseph. We're in Egypt. There's a famine going on. The brothers are coming down, sent by Jacob to buy some grain, go down there. We're, we're going to start a death, go down there and buy some food. So they go down there and have the event of meeting Joseph, but not knowing it, talking through a translator. <laughs> yeah. We're somewhere right in there. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying, I mean, Joseph, we've been kind of going back and forth, trying to really go through the story, not necessarily yeah. verse by verse, which we've yeah. been doing previously, but, um, well, so. I was going through my notes this past you know, three or four days and going to try to arrange where we're heading next. Yeah. I started going back and labeling a section like Genesis 43. I thought, why did I not do this? <laughs> so I go, I just keep on going like Genesis 44, Genesis 45. And I realized, Oh, we stopped doing that on purpose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's why we probably lost some structure though. But I, I, I think for the, I think really almost here on out, like it's hard to go verse by verse on some, like if if we whatever we do next, you know, going through Exodus and yeah, it's hard to kind of go through verse by verse through the next four books as opposed to um, you know, just talking about the sacrifices overall and dealing yeah. with the law in general and, and the people the so feast forth in general yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, so it's kind of good to go through the story, the narrative. So, where actually do you want to start then? Uh, well, I have some notes on the first two verses of 45, so whenever, if you have anything before that or... Um, I have something short, I believe. I don't remember if we, we went through or not for 43, just Reuben versus Judah. Okay. Because I, I I didn't know what you wanted to shoot for the for to accomplish today, but I'm thinking complete Genesis. Okay. So Reuben is... Uh, this is an issue that gets covered over several times, but... Uh, when he is sending them back for the second time. And Joseph has at some point said, uh, I want you to bring down your little brother. Yep. And then they go back and tell Jacob and he freaks out and installs the whole deal for a bit. And then has them basically, they start pleading with him one by one. He basically brushes them off a lot. Judah is the one that kind of gets him to finally agree to it. Yeah. But why didn't he trust Reuben? He already had issues with Reuben. We see at the, towards the very end, so we won't really have to discuss it, but uh, we see at the very end that Reuben was the one that went up to his couch or went up to his bed, however you want to state it, different translations, different ways, but right. he's the one that had went up and slept with one of his concubines. Or if you want to, I don't really think of Bilhah's concubine, though. She's living in the house with him, but. Yeah. She doesn't seem to be established as wife, but he slept with one of his dad's wives. <laughs> yeah, it's never a good thing. That's not a good thing, but <laughs> either way, so uh, he ends up trusting Judah to keep his word about the whole deal. <clears throat> so, and I'm just kind of looking at it thinking uh, he goes past Reuben for that, the firstborn. He goes past the second and thirdborn, uh, Simeon and Levi. Why? Their whole deal at Shechem, they're just over-the-top violent right and ends up with judah so we we kind of come i don't know judah's one to watch of course yeah and i was thinking this morning when i was going through some of the the last closing stuff i just reading some uh jewish study bible notes about 
uh, the individual tribes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it's a thing that we should probably bog down in that we're in the middle of narrative, right. a moving forward kind of narrative. Yeah. I do want to take some time and say what Jacob says about the, the individual sons, what Moses says <clears throat> about the individual sons, and other places like uh, one that was brought up was Deborah. She has a, a song. She basically writes about the tribes in Judges 5, mm-hmm. I think. But I didn't really want to bog right. down in that, but it is something we need to look at sometime and say, who became what? Who became nothing? Who did we Who? Because some of the things like, uh, here we are getting way off track. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, it happens. Some of the things that, like Jacob says, about one of the tribes living by the sea, they don't end up living by the sea. So... I almost got to take some of these things and say, uh, it's, is it prophecy or is it a father speaking, you know, shooting from the hip, bang, and he's, he misses. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I put some notes at the near the, the end of my stuff between um, Judah and Simeon. Um, I didn't really get into details, but because they're sharing some property because of Simeon's <laughs> issues. Yeah. Um, but I just had some notes, but I'll talk about that near the end. But let's see. Anyway, uh, you were in. Yeah. So 40, 40, chapter 45, really the first couple of verses. I just really talked about how um, Joseph's kind of been able to maintain his emotions and his, his, you know, seeing his brothers. And this time he just, he couldn't control it any longer. And it just kind of exploded. Um, And I kind of wrote, you know, we, we kind of talked about a little bit, several instances between Jesus and Joseph and, and the, and so I wrote, to me, it reminded me really the picture of relationship between God, Jesus, and even the church, where, you know, the son left the father's house to be um, sold by his own follower, Judas, or really us in, yeah. in a way. Um, and no one even recognized him. You know, uh, Jesus came and the people of Israel, no one recognized him and, and sin separates and makes us empty. Um, like the land, it, the land is empty. It's experiencing famine. We experience famine, so we're kind of empty, and we got to come to Jesus, right, for Him to supply and to help us and to give us the food, to give us yeah. the life again. So I kind of saw that, and also where it also reminds me of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and uh, Matthew twenty-three, and I'm going to read verses thirty-seven through thirty-nine. Jesus is saying, "Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones." Those who are sent to it. How often have I gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you um, desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, you know, Jesus knows the Israelites, specifically Jerusalem, they ignored the prophets, they ignored the word of God, mm-hmm. and God then allowed them to be a desolate place. Um, I kind of picture again a famine type place. I mean, they would not see Jesus again until um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and so Joseph's family ignored God's word, ignored the dream, I guess, um, but they ignored God's word. And so because they ignored God's word, the place became like a famine until. God yeah. restored that. So I kind of yeah. saw a little bit of Jesus just in those couple of verses about the famine and then having to come back to Joseph um, 
to, you know. That's kind of the same direction I went on. I mean, not even to repeat them, not Genesis 45 stuff. I actually wrote, like, what did we see here? Real basic. Uh, he did this, they did that. Yeah. And then when you just, if you, I basically will take, like, when I see pictures and stuff like that, I'll write it out plainly what's happening there, copy and paste a brand new paragraph, and then go back in the second paragraph and edit it so they becomes more specific and he like joseph in general becomes jesus and you start seeing the exact same thing one thing that he does that you didn't mention detail wise is he makes provision of clothes and grain and that kind Mm, of stuff mm, true so he just he takes care of everything they need uh that just brought me to thinking about if we extend it further and further with a picture of jesus it goes into end times provision in famine and which takes me into Petra. <laughs> and I, basically, I would just suggest you, the, the listener, you go search out Petra yourself because we could spend all day on theories, and there are a bunch of theories, and they're not, there's nothing else, else there grounded that we could really spend time saying this is factual. Right. But Petra, P-E-T-R-A, that's the big rock-faced city that you see in Indiana Jones. Yeah. That's the, that's the movie that made it famous otherwise. <laughs> but... Uh, I read a whole bunch of stuff, and some of them were so extremely dogmatic. Like, this is definitely going to happen this way. Some were like, Petra's not actually what we think this means. And they had, a, a, of course, it's the exact opposite meaning right. from the, the scholars and theologians. <laughs> of course. You always got to have something new to put a spin on an old idea because then you're your idea will not be heard if it's just the same as everybody else's. <laughs> True. <clears throat> but. Well, verse three, Joseph hides his identity. You know, Jesus kind of hid himself in a sense. And he yeah. told demons, hey, shut up. <laughs> don't don't let people know who yeah. I am yet. Um, there was a time that he stayed hidden in a, in a, in a, a weird manner. And it went until it was time to be revealed. And, that is yeah. always weird to me when I read that. Yeah, it is strange. Like, why wouldn't you want them to proclaim who you are yet? So it's kind of, I don't, I mean, you know, again, it's one of those things where you don't know, like, there there could have been factors involved where if it happened, God knew what would have transpired. And Yeah, things so. we can't, you can't trickle down and know what the events would be. But yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too, why, why wouldn't you want people to know, no matter what it comes from, but if it comes from a witness of, Let's say that that there's a crowd gathering around this person. This guy walks up and casts a demon out of someone, and it's acknowledged and agreed upon by the whole crowd. That's what just happened. They just put the whatever that spirit was in that person on a status level of being from the spiritual realm, and that one that was from the spiritual realm says, "This guy is the son of God." <laughs> yeah, it yeah. would be a little bit less faith and more of a of almost a, a seeing believing kind of thing yeah but yeah it's, it's one of those weird still odd to me <laughs> it's one of those weird things um i'll just keep going you just interrupt whenever you <laughs> um <laughs> ver- verse four i put you know um joe said to his brothers come near to me please and they came near to him um again it reminds me of jesus and thomas how jesus appears to all disciples and they're all like, hey, it's him. And Thomas comes in and Jesus says, come here. Yeah. You know, te- feel it. You know, trust that I'm here. Trust is me. I think the brothers were kind of 
I don't know if they didn't. I mean, I know it says they didn't really recognize him at first, but when he says his name, I think they're kind of, are you sure this is, this can't be Joseph. Yeah. And then Joseph, he says it twice. I'm Joseph. And they're just, they're suddenly in fear. And then all of a sudden they say to, he says the second time, I'm Joseph, their brother you sold in Egypt. And then they're probably like, yeah, let's, let's be real specific here and oh, bring up. The, it is him. And that's not good. Cause he remembers. I mean, bring up obviously the <laughs> that's not a good thing. Yeah. So obviously when you, when you uh, remind someone of, of something like that, it's probably <laughs> remind not somebody good. They sold you into slavery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's probably not the best thing on their part, but, and you see that he's got some authority and some power and you're here asking yeah. for help. Yeah. It doesn't look, t- it doesn't <laughs> sit well. So they're, they're a little afraid. They're a little scared. Um, but uh, put in the uh, slide in the uh, political commentary here. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. Let's see. Not really for a political commentary. I guess Genesis 47 is where my notes are on that. So maybe it'll follow out better there. But there, there's some neat stuff fixing to happen right here uh, for for government commentary. Well, I don't know if this is the direction you're going, but it is kind of an interesting, um, thought-provoking, because I think we've discussed it like, per, on a personal level. Um, but, you know, you have, like, in America, we have the um, government assistance and welfare. And yeah. some people take advantage of the system, and some people just truly need assistance yeah and i think there is a negative um that all your dependence is on the government um here is kind of interesting that uh, they're needing almost complete assistance on the government and i thought to myself is that <clears throat> is that biblical um like well, you know acts it talks about we should rely on other believers and other believers if they see a brother in need they should help them yeah as far as a christian community goes and so we shouldn't necessarily have to rely on the country i guess to help us but here you know the brothers are needing the the egypt's assistance i know i've mentioned this to you before but this is what yeah. comes up when i think of that okay uh, deuteronomy 15 this is we you know this is part of the law. This is what God wants human society to work like, right? Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy fifteen four, but there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. There won't be any poor. You keep on reading down. It's talking about the one who has more and the one who has less. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be begrudging when you give to him, because this is this because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your undertaking, all you undertake. Verse eleven: For there will never cease to be poor in the land. So, just the one in the we're supposed to be depending on the church. As a Christian, and if you are the rich guy in the church, you're supposed to be yeah. you're responsible for more, right? And but then what we see in the law right there is Moses saying the way the Lord wants things to work in human society is that there won't be any poor among you because the guy who has more will give to the guy who has less, and then he says there will always be people who have less, which is a statement to me saying the guy who has more will not always be giving mm. to the one who has less. Mm. Well, this it's is not why. human nature to give away what we have. No, no, absolutely. What, how do how do you feel about people that take advantage of that? Though I mean, I know, and sometimes we just 
<laughs> you know, we just, hey, it's it's their decision to do what we give. But I, I think something like <clears throat> I had a situation where I had to deal with something similar. But I think at times, if you if if there is a um, a constant help, almost like a, a you know, not like a yearly or whatever, but if there's like a a monthly, um, hey, this person monthly needs assistance. Are they even putting any effort? Because I think sometimes you can enable people to rely yeah. on that assistance. Let's look at what to... probably is always true <laughs> and trickle down from there. So uh, we have a friend who has a, a special needs son. He's never going to go out into the world and get a regular job and bring in a regular income yeah. and become an individual who stands alone with his own house and that kind of stuff. True. But he's still going to be consuming food and needing clothes. So that person does, they are going to always need on a monthly basis help. That's true. That's more than point. a person who is simply without work and they've got a note from the doctor saying that they can't do regular work. And those can be true too, but we can't see back pain. That's true. We can't see mental pain, whatever you want to call it. Right. I don't know. Sometimes I feel on people who are basically pleading mental anxiety. I'm sorry to be cold, but sometimes I think to myself, I got mental anxiety. I still get up by an alarm clock and go to work. <laughs> right. I don't like a lot of things. I have a hard time with a lot of things. I got a past like you got a past. Things people said to me 15 years ago still scarred me. Yeah. I still deal with some things that have been put in the, the program of life, and I still go to work. I don't. There's some plans like right there. There's some kinds of pleadings that I just think to myself, whatever, you need to grow up. Yeah. It's like I said, I hate to be cold, but that's my opinion on that. Yeah. No, it's just, <clears throat> no, it's right on. Well, I know when I, when I first came over to this church and kind of became the pastor, I had some, several people, you know, calling, congratulating me and all that. And one person asked me how, how are things going? And I was kind of not being, I was, it wasn't being negative. It was more, more of, um, I was talking about, um, I wasn't showing um, a sureness that um, I was here on purpose or I what you know, like I just, there was just still some confidence issues that yeah. I was lacking. And yeah. he paused me, said, stop it, stop it. <clears throat> He's like, God's called you. You're the pastor. Be confident. God had you there. And yeah. so sometimes our minds can play tricks on us and, and we rely on those weaknesses, but you know, got to get up, got to move on, got to yeah. move forward, got to, you know, obviously there's limit. And you made, you brought up a good point. You can't look at, uh, you can't look at a, um, everyone on the same lens. I mean, everyone has different yeah. issues and different problems and um, physically, mentally, whatever. Let's say physically, um, I mean, like I said, you can't see back pain. <clears throat> you can see a vet in a wheelchair with no legs. That's, yeah. that's that guy's legitimately needing some help that <laughs> yeah. he can't go work for a living course he could i mean there's other things he can do but on a you don't say well he, he doesn't have any legs so he can't do manual labor it doesn't mean he can't you know build websites <laughs> we can't we can't start saying that people should do a different thing maybe he's not gifted that way right if he was a soldier he was a different kind of tough than i ever have been so he has made a different way than i am for sure <laughs> yeah for but i don't know just uh when we get into this right here there is need but you see that the need of the people and their dependency upon the government to give it to them for free 
or that they are willing to sell themselves, they they become. It's if we apply this to our society, we're just looking at all points. If right. Because we have a bunch of generation right now, this generation, a bunch of people in this generation that are constantly wanting a free thing from the government. They want handouts, but they're not willing to work for it. Yeah. Then they're going to become slaves. And for me to use that word, oh, no, you better not use that word. Sorry, but that's what you're going to become. Well, you're, they're dependent and you got to. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the, that's the fancy word for slave. Yeah. You you depend on your your master to give you food and shelter, and you do whatever. I mean, you you do whatever work. he says, and yeah. But I do see a very neat thing in the past day or two. I've been looking at this that I've never seen before. We'll get to that. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember. It's oh. right here in my notes. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that. Then. <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute. Corn David, we'll get to that. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for ten more minutes. Like a little tease, yeah. Um, I put kind of verses five through eight. Joseph assures four times that it wasn't their fault. It was God's plan um, to preserve life. Just like um, God set Noah aside to preserve yeah. life. You know, uh, you found favor, set your family and all the animals and everyone else is gone. So yeah. God's again, trying to preserve um, a people. Um, so, uh, which kind of brings me to a tough topic. I don't know if we'll go there or not, but um, dun, dun, dun. I don't. I don't know if we've talked about it. The sovereignty of God. Have we talked about that before? Mm, I'm sure we have. That sounds general enough that we probably have talked about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, I've thought about you know, um, kind of looking at the sovereignty because sovereignty and man's free will is kind of an interesting topic. Yeah, we've um, we've talked about that some, but. What direction would you go today? Yeah, well, you know, I thought I was asking, you know, when I was looking through this, and and Joseph kept saying this was God's plan, and and you know, you think about bad things, and you think about even good things, and you kind of, you know, God's plan. Well, Joseph obviously didn't have the greatest life orchestrated, yeah. and, and and though he hasn't complained that we know of, but you know, he's here. God's, you know, God used the bad on purpose to bring him to this point. And sometimes it's hard for us to fathom, you know, that we go through bad things on purpose that we don't see the end result. And it's hard to see it when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, so I was kind of wondering about free will and um, I wrote, you know, do we have free will? I put yes, but I put with limitations. Um, We don't have unlimited free will, meaning um, we weren't, we can't choose the DNA. We can't choose our parents. We can't choose what nation we're born. We can't choose what language. Yeah. So there's so there's a set boundary <clears throat> that we can't choose, um, and but there are things that we do choose once we're alive and we start to develop decisions and choices. So um, if we had unlimited free will, then we would be God and can do whatever we want. We can. Right. We don't have to. Gra- I don't want to do. Gra- I don't want to obey gravity today. But we have to <laughs> obey things, you know, it's just, so th- we are, we are stuck in a limitation. So we have free will, but with, with limitations or qualifications or, or, or in some kind of sphere. Yeah. Um, I've I been think, doing for the two different classes I'm in right now. One of them is basically a, an assigned four page. One's an assigned 25 page, but they're both basically write down your history. <laughs> and in doing that, the one that's the long version basically instructs you right on these things. And one section is uh, people who have influenced you. 
that's very easy to sit there and realize if you think about it, your mother and father and any siblings are the first humans you come in contact with. Like you said, you can't choose them. Yeah. You don't get a choice on it. They form what you think is acceptable norms for your society, what's manners and what's not manners, et cetera. Yeah. They teach you not just your language, but your local accent. Everything comes from your parents like that and your, your brothers and sisters. And you have this, let's say you sit in your teenage years, you have this programmed form of what life is supposed to be. Then when you come in contact with the rest of the world and this clash happens, <laughs> right? then you have to start saying, I'm gonna, what am I going to do with what I've been given? And what you've been given is like, like you were saying, the things you can't choose. Yeah, and I think that, and I guess when we're doing this and, you know, what's going on in our country, there's so much hate, racism, um, political of, agendas, yeah. and this group says this, and this group says this. And and I thought, you know, some people are, you're conformed to who you hang around, you're conformed to who you listen to, you're conformed to, you know, like um, there's several, I mean, you know, you go to YouTube and you can look up religious preachers and, and yeah. teachers and then you get confused because, and then you start listening to people in that same sphere and yeah. you think they're right. And, and so you, you get influenced in all these ways and we have free choice, but we're also, <laughs> we're also influenced. Like, I mean, I, I know several people that just, you know, kind of severed away from Christianity just based on listening to other people. Yeah. You know, well, that makes more sense where I think we've talked about, you know, when we did Genesis chapter one about atheists and evolution and, and us yeah. kind of, we, we took evidence of Christianity. We took evidence of other places and we kind of worked out our own. So Paul yeah. says, you know, work out your own salvation. Yeah. We kind of worked it out to the point of, we can't go any further well, at that point, there's Jesus. Yeah. Well, when you reach so, it, in all the, the avenues of study that you could go religious-wise, you reach a point, and, and scientific-wise, that's one point we were apt to make, is that you reach a point in scientific study and religious study and whatever kind of study that you reach a point, you cannot go any further, and you must be faith to jump beyond that. But when, when I did that in my personal life about in these different avenues you come to that wall of faith at all of them, and you you look back at the paths you just now looked at and examined, and you say, which one makes the most logical sense now? Yeah. I have the most information I can get from any of them. Which one makes the most logical sense now? Right. But. Yeah. So I just, to me, it was just kind of, you know, sometimes sometimes the God's sovereignty of knowing the future. Yeah. Or is already in the is already there, yeah. Um, not just knowing, but is already there. So that that's an odd thought. If you think about that, he is already there. It's already a concrete place. Yeah. Time is already a concrete place. Yeah. If he's already there, so it's not a. <laughs> you remember the books when we were kids? You could you know in that generation they came out with like GI Joe books. I had a couple, and you read to a particular page. And if you want to go, if you want to jump over the sand pit, go to page seventy three. <laughs> but if you want to find a yeah. vine and swing across the sand pit, go to page ninety four. And then you're <laughs> right. So yeah. all those things are already written. All the possibilities are written. I don't even know if I think that way exactly about you know applying that to to God, right? Already being in the future. One has to have been decided. Yeah, I I, th I think people get caught <laughs> up in, in in God knowing the decisions we make, 
because the decisions we make lead us to a certain point where, um, you know, if God knew the famine was going to happen, um, he had to get Joseph to that place. Yeah. In order to get him to that place, he had, he had to, I wouldn't say influence, but he, you know, he, the brothers just didn't like Joseph because well, it was, it was a natural dreams he had. So where did the dreams come from? Yeah. Well, that's true. They had to be given by somebody. Yeah. So God really started <clears throat> with the visions. Right. They already, I don't think they liked Joseph in the beginning, in the first place. Yeah. But this just made it like worse. Like, cause Joseph was treated like, you know, all the other sons were from all these other ladies and Joseph and Benjamin were the two, you know, that <laughs> <These> he, other ladies. <laughs> and, um, so Joseph, <laughs> you crazy dog, you, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. But I lost my train of thought now. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. No, like, um, so Joseph, you know, Joseph, you know, did, he wasn't liked by his brothers, and then God gave him the dreams. But see, got the dreams were, God already knew that. And yeah. so that's how he gave the dreams. To, but how did Joseph get to that point? He had to go through this process. And we say, well, couldn't he have got there another way? Without going through being sold into slavery, without going to prison, and I don't well, think so. And but see, really. we can't. I don't know if we can answer that. I mean, is there a you know? We would like to say, well, God can just pick him up and like a like a little yeah. you know board game. You pick him up and move him to the you know the lounge or whatever. Yeah. But you know, in applying that though, I could not be who I am if I had not been who I was in the past. And like to give a real practical note. Uh, when I see a homeless guy sitting on the street with a beard down halfway down his chest and long, nasty hair, um, I went through a time in my teenage years of having very long hair. I usually showered, but <laughs> <laughs> having very long hair and very long beard, and my peers were the same in that. So in later years, after I cut my hair, it's taken me a long time to, to stop seeing myself in that image that I have long hair. So when I see somebody across the way who has long hair, you know, some homeless guy or some uh, college kid who is, he's into writing poetry and this kind of stuff, and he's really hunting himself, I don't see him as a different person or an outsider from the group I'm within. I find it a lot easier to talk to people because I've been there. And I do remember also when I was there how I was not treated or how I was treated by people that were in separate circles socially and and appearingly right it, you know so i i can i can come to the short side of the short-haired side of the mirror and look back and and see that i'm still part of the the long-haired side of the mirror in a way if that makes any sense but yeah well like you know when i, when I was speaking this last sunday um part of a message i was talking about honor god and honor each other you know the bible says honor you know, first we honor God, and then we should, we're supposed to honor each other. And um, I kind of talked about how you know the hard part of honor is honoring those that we don't agree with or disagree with, even especially in the church. Sometimes, yeah. I said, but that's not what we're at. There's no, there's no equation. It's just honor everyone, yeah. Especially in, in the faith and in Romans the church. 12, yeah. Speak out of that. Yeah, and so. <clears throat> So I think, and and I told people, you know, it's easy for us, especially the longer you're a Christian, the longer you're in church, to forget 
where you came from. You know, the Bible says, yeah. while you were a sinner, yeah. Christ died for you. So guess what? <laughs> you were in that same place, in that same position. And we're, we're, Paul remembered where he came from. I mean, he kept saying, I'm... I'm I'm the worst of sinners. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not that great. I don't know why y'all think I'm that great, but I'm not because I'm the chief of the bad guys. I know guys. we've talked about this too before, but you do believe that uh, in Romans when he says, "Who will deliver me from this body of death?" I keep doing things I don't want to do. Yeah, Romans seven. That's still that. That is within his post Christ time. Yes, yeah, I yeah. believe that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't believe he's revisiting the past. I believe. In context, I believe he's talking about the because Romans six he talks about um, you know dying in sins and God raising him up and chapter seven he goes through this you know mm-hmm. the struggle between his flesh and the spirit in chapter eight he's like basically I can't do this on my own God's spirit has to help me out because yeah. if I'm left to my own desires and my own flesh then I can't live this out so chapter eight he talks about the life and the spirit and God's spirit renews us. So I think it is post. I had a teacher that taught that it was pre and I just never agree with that. Yeah. I, I don't see in context of the if whole. If I'm writing to you about what the Christian life is supposed to look like now, why would I take a break in the middle of all the explanations and start talking to you about how I used to be? <laughs> yeah. If it's not a present struggle, it's not a present reality. Right. But either way. Yeah. To me, it doesn't make any sense at all. So, but so Joseph <laughs> Genesis. Oh, so yeah, I just, back I was, to Genesis. So I just want, I was just curious about the sovereignty and, and your thoughts um, as we looked kind of, you know, when Joseph says, I think it's just like you said, it's <clears> one of those undefinable <throat> issues that both appear to be true and they appear to be conflicting logics, but they do work together. Yeah. Well, I think some people get hung up on, see, that's not one question I really get hung up on. I don't think to myself, well, God knows the decision I'm going to make. So, you know, like I don't get that doesn't mess yeah. with my day. It It is what it is. Yeah. I worship God. Hung up as, on it as in getting caught up in thinking that since God knows what you're going to do, that he is limited for you. Yeah. Your choice. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it, it's not even a part of my mind. It's not a struggle for me. I don't even think about it. It's just yeah. just like, you know, I. I'm not bound by everyone else's opinion of me in a, in a sense, or I'm not bound by other people's decisions or thoughts about me or how they view me. Oh, or you want to hear f- what they say about you? Well, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can, you know what? <laughs> I would say the sun's not shining, but it's not really shining, so, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Until the sun comes back out. <laughs> I mean, you can't live for everyone else's nah. opinions of you, appearance, and... Like there's a book by Oz uh, Genius, I think his name is. It's called The Calling, I think is what it's called. Um, but one of the chapters is it was an okay book, but there's only one chapter that I really really liked. Um, but it was called <laughs> it was called The Audience of One, and basically says you know we need to live our calling not to please people but to please God. Like He's the only one watching us. Yeah. Like you know sometimes we we're out in the football game and and there's people in the stands and. We got to make sure we win the game. We got to make sure we and we, you know, they they're talking about us on Facebook or social media or, or talking about yeah. with their friends. Like they got to talk how good I am and talk about how great this is. And he, you know, he's kind of like, no, that's what. Now, if they think that, that's great. But you're not there to for them to please them to influence. That you're yeah. you're there to honor God and because at the end of the day, when we all die, we're going to be just one on one with Him. Yeah. 
<laughs> there's going to be no cheerleaders. Yeah. There's going to be no, you know, friends there. It's just going to be us and probably, him. There's uh, probably statistics we could research in that that those who attempt to please all, please none, versus those who simply try to do the right, good. They do whatever act they're into, football. They're just simply trying to play for the sake of, I love the game. They end up being the better one that everybody loves. Mm -hmm. I I read one recently also that was uh, Talent is Never Enough. I think think it's what it was, John C. Waxwell. Mm -hmm. The whole book is kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. I liked a part or two chapters out of it. I still had to read it. (laughs) But for the most part... uh, it's, it's kind of along the same lines of that. Is he, he, he makes an example in one section about uh, millionaires and that those who actually have achieved mil- millionairehood, if you want to call that, uh, millionaire status, most of them actually got into a career choice because they wanted to do that thing. And those who set out to do a goal of making a million dollars usually fall short of it. They don't actually achieve the goal. Hmm. But that's, it's kind of a little a neat you know, inverse conundrum, if that's a thing. (laughs) Well, I mean, like if you think Google, um, Apple, Amazon all started in a garage, Amazon, what's the guy's name? I don't remember. I just, I was just looking by chance because of something else. Uh, he's the wealthiest guy in the world now. He is 1.7. No, he's one, 107.8 billion dollars. $107.8 billion in one guy's pocket. That's crazy. I showed that to my wife, and she's she's sitting there in a chair we just ordered from Amazon and put together out of the box, you know. And she's, how can he? I said, he's Amazon. Every time you order something, he makes some more. That's right. That's right. He makes the money. He's willing and dealing. But, I mean, they, he started in a garage. I mean, I you know, I'm sure he set out to make some profit and some money, but he probably never assumed that he would be a billionaire. How could you? Yeah, so, I mean. Yeah, how can you even think? In the terms of billion. Yeah. I can't think in the terms of million. I, I can't either. That's crazy. <laughs> either way. Yeah. So, Joseph. <laughs> I uh, guess, too, though, uh, Joseph probably didn't think he'd be the king of the world in so many words. That's true. Being you know, sold I, into a pit. I'm curious, you know, when he went through the dreams, like, did he comprehend what God was telling him or he just want you know or was he bragging about what God was showing him or was he just kind of hey here's my dreams that you know yeah you know you, I don't know well you imagine a, a young of course he was 17 though I can't say he imagined a young kid right we're not talking about like Layla we're talking about a teenager <laughs> yeah yeah so we're talking about probably a, a possible jerk <laughs> yeah, we don't know. <laughs> hey, he could have taken some of his dad's character traits because uh, Jacob was not the uh, most no. uh, nice, perfect person. So, um, I'll see. Uh, anything else in forty-five? Yeah, a few things. Uh, verse twenty. I put. It says, "Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all land of Egypt is yours." Nesta Pharaoh talking. I think you know just just that little verse. I think um, is a good perspective that we sh- how we should view God. Where um, don't ha- don't have a concern, don't have a worry for mm-hmm. things, but God's gonna give us the best, um, what we need at the right time. Um, so just a little tidbit there. Um, 
I did. I was going to ask you this question. So verse 21 it says the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, um, he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five change of clothes. To his father he sent his, fo- sent his followers ten load. Um, anyway, verse 24, then he sent his brothers away, and as they <laughs> departed, I want to read all that. Skip 23. Yeah, yeah just, it's, it's just giving stuff away, you know. Verse 24, uh, then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel on the way. And quarrel is obviously getting angry. Yeah. Um, why do you think Joseph said that to his brothers? Hey, because he reconciled, he let them know that this was God's provision. Yeah. Um, Pharaoh's backing this decision and giving them all this stuff. And then Joe says, as you go back, just don't get angry. Why do you, why do you think Joseph had to say that to him? You see angry th- or you, do you see fight with each other? Or- I think it's angry. I think it's anger or angry. I'm not ex- because I've always seen that as everything you just covered. <clears throat> Put that under your belt. Yep. And then basically, let's, let's look at the fact of y'all are not in trouble. Everything's forgiven. Yeah. Just don't, don't be upset about it anymore. Let's just, here's the path that's laid out. He's already told them. Uh, so you think angry within themselves, not angry with each other? Is that what you're kind of thinking about? Yeah, both. <laughs> Forgive yourselves. Let's move on. This is what happened. Here's what the reason I believe it happened, and I was the one wrong. So just take it for what I'm saying it is, and let it go. And then, if you want to say among themselves, uh, ragats tremble, quake, rage, quiver, be agitated, be excited, be perturbed. Yeah, I could see it in in both directions because then you have uh, it was Judah and. Who was the other one that was trying to defend Joseph in the very beginning? I think it was Judah. There was Judah and, and another one, though. Was it Reuben? It might have been Reuben. I want to say it was Judah and Reuben. doesn't matter, though. We got two that didn't do the wrong, and they tried to fight for the right. And then we got uh, probably a handful of four to five that are trying to do wrong. And we probably got some stragglers who are not really sure, and I just go along with the crowd. So they're weak in a way, but gotcha. they're also in the wrong. So right. he's probably saying, uh, in so many words, don't be upset in yourselves. Don't be worried. Don't feel guilt anymore. Let it go. Don't be fighting with one another like I told you so. Don't be doing all that stuff on the way back. Just just go back and get Dad and tell him that everything's going to be taken care of, that I'm down here. We've got a good spot for him. We've got a good spot for y'all. We've got plenty of food and clothes, et cetera, for everybody to come down here and live and have a good life. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my opinion on that. But I was just curious. He um, probably knowing his brothers, he knew most likely they were going to walk out the door and start <laughs> saying, I told you, and it was going <laughs> yeah. to turn into that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I just put, you know, the journeys over 200 miles from Egypt to where their father is. So roughly. <laughs> 200 miles of trip is a long time to be able to fight with each other. Yeah. Well, I, I put it roughly between seven and 10 days, depending on how quick they walk in the mountains and the hills and everything. So um, so about seven to 10 days is what I put for. You know, if you get walk. on a treadmill. And that's one way. On average, what do you do? About three miles an hour yeah, comfortably. Yeah, three, yeah. So you have how many miles? 200, over, it's over 200, but so about 200. 
So let's say 200 divided by three miles an hour. Six. Uh, that don't make any sense. <laughs> well, you, well you, it's 200 if you go straight, but, but yeah. because the way it is, you got to go down and around and yeah. up hills and valleys. So I just yeah. put over 200. So 200 is kind of a, a quick way. So you're you're probably looking at maybe 230, 240, okay. I would assume. Well, I would also usually, like, <clears throat> when I calculate how long it might have taken somebody to get somewhere, biblical times, you would walk for, let's say you walk, 10 miles a day would be nothing for them then. <clears throat> yeah. 10 miles a day, and if you were only doing three miles an hour, that's only three or four hours to walk in, which is going to be nothing for them. So I would yeah. up it and say, let's say they walked uh, at least six hours a day in a leisure way. Six times three miles an hour, that's 18 miles a day. 200 divided by 18 gives you about 11, 12 days. Is that what you're figuring? I, I put about 10 days. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going low for what we might be able to do if we really pushed ourselves. And they're used to that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how they get around. We drive they, <laughs> in airplanes and trains. We would they get walk. there in a couple of hours. They walk or use camels, but they were walking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you so in between just a couple of verses is almost three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, that's there, there and back. So it's almost about a month before he even hears um, his brothers um, coming back. Um, <clears throat> verse 28, and then we'll kind of, and this is the last verse of that chapter. And, um, and Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. I thought it was interesting that Moses changed Jacob's name to Israel at this moment. Um, as he's been mm-hmm. talking about, he's using the name Jacob off and on, but when he's revived, um, he uses the name Israel, yeah. uh, which I thought was kind of interesting that, um, when the word of God comes into our lives, when the word reaches, when the word reaches the word of hope, yeah, yeah, he becomes alive. He's revived. He's peaceful about, I mean, he's been complaining or not complaining, but he's lamenting that he's going to die. Um, and his son's gone, yeah. and and here he's still accepting that he's going to die because of his age, but he seems to be more at peace about it. And so I felt like you know, as God reaches us, and and as the word reaches us, it um it, is it revives. Yeah, so that's kind of a extreme comfort, uh, comforting kind of statement. Is enough. Yeah, actually, the word there is rob, which is. Not enough, but like massive amount more overabundance kind of word. Hmm. Hmm. Much, many, great, abounding in. Yeah, this is part of the name of uh, Abraham. Oh. So but, chapter 46. You got some notes on 46 yet? <laughs> just a few. Just a few. To me, uh, I view me. that kind of as Jacob's <clears throat> table of nations. Like Genesis 10 is the table of nations. Yeah. Yeah. Most of it's just kind of listing the sons, but I did have a few <clears throat> interesting notes on this chapter. Um, I want to yeah. see what you think about some. I, we've probably talked about it before too, but I never have been satisfied with what this may possibly mean. <laughs> the 70 verses 72 in the Bible. Why is there always two extra that's questioned? And it's not a part of the 70, but they seem to be a part of the 70. Yeah. I don't know. That's what, yeah. Uh, for you, the listener, Genesis 46, the, basically Jacob's, all Jacob's descendants and family. 
There are 70 minus 2, and these two are Ur and Onan, which die in Canaan. Those were two of uh, Judah's sons that would not give Tamar children and take care of her, and the Lord killed them. So either way, those being two of Judah's sons, he had two more later with her. But in the end of all things, it says, uh, verse 27, all the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. And so all the people who came were 70. There's two that didn't. They're still part of Jacob's descendants, so you got a 70 and a 2 idea. But you you remember uh, Eldad and Medad? Mm-hmm. The two that did not go out to prophesy at the tent of meeting, but still prophesied in the camp. And then you got Jesus sending out the 70, depending on what... Uh, what translation you read from, or he sent out 72. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Numbers are always a hard translational issue. Like, there's a, there's a place that talks about uh, King Saul, and it says he was blah, 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 and it has dot, 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 and then it says years. <laughs> and you can look at it, it's like two years, or is it 30 years, or... I guess you have to go back and count. There's no way to go back and exactly count. As far as the text there, there's nothing. It's, it's a big, huge question mark on that particular issue. Hmm. So you get you end up getting you get numbers out of uh, or numbers for years out of Acts. I think when Stephen's talking in in Acts seven, or maybe a place where Paul is talking. But either way, you get the numbers for David's full reign, Solomon's full reign, to be forty and forty, and then you get I think Saul's full reign to be 40 out of, out of that same information. But there's, either way, point being numbers are always the big issue. Translational issues are always the issue, and that usually branches back, it seems to, that there's four main Greeks, uh, not sections, four main Greek sources. And if something, if an English translation was translated off the, the King James it was translated basically off of a particular translation that was translated off of this Greek uh, version, and then which was uh, what was that? Texas Receptus. Huh. Then we have Westcott and Hort, which usually agrees with, excuse me, the Byzantine usually agrees with Texas Receptus, but those are older. And then later on, we find these other ones that are uh, the morphological Greek New Testament, and what was the other one? Westcott Hort, which is what I almost said. Those seem to agree with one another, but whatever English translations came off those two different groups, yeah, there's two groups of two on both sides of the fence there about a lot of translational issues. Any any English differences simply go back to those two sources, and that's it. Because hmm. I, I used to look and say, well, oh, there's there's 13 English sources that agree with this this word. It must be correct. No, if you start tracing those out, they come back to one English source <laughs> right. often. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, some of the missing verses in some translations, you know, depending on what their source or they got the tra- yeah. where they got it from. Yeah. You know? Like, I think one is um, where there's the angel stirring up the waters. Yeah. Um, that's in some translations and others it's not. So yeah. I guess it kind of depends on the, the main source. I don't know if it's. I don't, I don't know if it's extra biblical or not, but yeah, numbers are kind of 
I had somebody, this is way, way off topic in a big can of worms, but somebody <laughs> fussing recently about how uh, his wife had taken a religion course and she had to get a book which was like uh, four columns. Instead of being four columns of one translation, it was four columns of the same passage, four different translations. One, of course, is King James. One is the new uh, NIV. So he was complaining about how bad the NIV is because most of the verses are missing. Uh-huh. What authority does, well, I know the authorities, but just asking as a question, what authority do we have to say without doing some research in it, which he had not done, that the King James didn't add verses? Right. Without doing your own research on where those translations came from, I can easily say the King James added and the NIV is the original. Or you can argue that the, the King James is the original and the NIV took away. Yeah. But neither of those are original because English didn't exist until the 1100s. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Settled. <clears throat> no, point being, it goes back to the Greek, but in this section we're reading, it goes back to the Hebrew. Yeah. So. And I, th- I think I've, I think we talked about it before where, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously we believe the, the Bible's inerrant and infallible and it's God's word, but... There are ish, there are issues with translating one yeah. over culture, yeah. two over time, and three over language. Yeah, and so you're having to do a whole and but as far as the core doctrine, I was going to say, and, what does it boil back down to? Is, yeah, well, the the main essence of Christianity and what it is about is all in agreement. Yeah, you know, there's some little misconception or miss. I would words still say the the the, uh, the core core beliefs of Judaism is still too. Oh yeah. Because we're, we're built off of Christianity is built off of Judaism. If Christianity has inerrant scriptures of new Testament, then the scriptures they're built off of must also be considered inerrant. Yeah. And yes, there's translational issues, but is the core story true or not? Yeah. And it boils down to a faith in God, not a faith in man. Yeah, and like, uh, because some some of the, um, even the Jewish Bible, um, like, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago, and they were asking me, hey, I just saw there's a Bible that, um, it was Genesis to Chronicles. I said, yeah, that's that's, that's the way the Jewish Bible's laid out. Yeah. Chronicles is the last book, not Malachi, though Malachi is the last prophet. Yeah. That's how we, that's why English is categorized that as, as the last prophet that spoke for God. But um, the Jewish Bible is Genesis to Chronicles, and then Chronicles is one book, Samuel's one book, yeah, um, etc. So they have less quote books than us. But you know, if if you if you're not understanding that concept, sometimes you're like, are they missing books? Or of course why, missing why is books. why is why is ours ordered differently than theirs? Because that means ours is misrepresented or, in, or wrong. I'm like, no, it's just the order. See, of course they're missing books because somebody who were, who were translated NIV <laughs> took, those, <laughs> took those out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I have to go back when I have this Jewish study Bible and also my regular Tanakh. They're ordered as a Jewish Bible would be ordered. So I have to go to the often to the uh, table of contents, the page number because the Order that we've memorized that we see as normal is not there. Yeah, but now, now is that Jewish study about? I've read um, that old. I think ancient translations um, or orders. Um, I think Jeremiah and Lamentations was one 
Um, but can I was just curious? I want to say this right here is is that not separate? separated like that? I just wasn't sure. Lamentations is separate. Is it okay? And so here's the thing: you would have uh, with the Tanakh, which is a what's the word? Anachronism. Nah. So. The, the Tanakh would be a compilation of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketubim. So the Torah is Moses' five uh, spoken law, well, excuse me, written law, but the Ketubim is books and the Nevi'im is prophets. So Jeremiah, in this one right here, I, maybe you're right in some other older ones, but in this particular modern print, which is, was this 2004 copyright, don't know who has had an influence on saying this, but Jeremiah falls in the Nevi'im, the prophets, uh, along with from Joshua, Judges, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings are separated here. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And then you have the 12 minor prophets. Then the in the Kethuvim and the writings, that would be Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Daniel, and scrolls. So a separate section on scrolls is broken into the Song of Solomon's Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Esther. Gotcha. But, and then First and Second Chronicles do fall last, but they're part of the Ketuvim, the writings. Right. Yeah, because they're more of a historical. Yeah, they're more of a historical after the fact recap <clears throat> of the Samuels and the Kings, which are in the prophets, classification-wise. Yeah. yeah. I didn't bring my Tanakh, but... This going to end up being the same order as this right here. Yeah, and I can't remember. I want to say Jesus said it two different ways when he was first he said the law and the prophets in Luke twenty four, and then I think another place he said the law, the Psalms, and the writings. I don't remember. He, he there was one time he categorized it as two different um, divisions. Luke, Luke twenty four. I think the first one here is verse twenty seven. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, things concerning himself. You read on a couple of more verses. Uh, they reference and say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures, they call it in general. Read on some more. Verse 44. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you when I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be uh, fulfilled. Yeah. So calling it the Psalms, he's referring to the writings, the Ketuvim. Right, right. But so Moses, think, prophets, and Psalms would be Tanakh. Yeah, yeah. Altogether. Yeah. I remember him talking about the, the divisions, um, you know, so. <laughs> but. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, so Genesis 46, I don't even know how we got to what we were talking about. We were talking about a uh, table of nations. Ah, uh, yes. Table uh, the of numbers. Nations. Yes, the numbers. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just, well, uh, kind of where the, the concept comes from, this is related to the nations, though. And I guess you would say within Israel would be related to the divisions of Israel. But Genesis 10, there are 75 names. It's called the Table of Nations, and it's referred to as the 70 nations as a euphemism. So it's the replacement term of all the nations. We call it the 70 nations. If you take out Noah and his uh, three sons, 
you get down to 71. If you take out Nimrod's name because he never became a nation name, right. you're back down to 70. So some hmm. individuals and 70 hmm. is the main deal there. Hmm. This took me into some parts too with, uh, let's see, verse 33 and 34. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say your servants have been keepers of livestock. This is jumping beyond the table of nations part, the counting of the people. That's right. Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even to now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. This has the main, the main next issue is Jacob and Joseph going together and him instructing the family how he's going to take care of their situation. But uh, you know me, I love Hyksos stuff. So <laughs> I do think this is probably yeah. before Hyksos became something, but it is a, a subject matter you come across if you start looking and to see what you can find out about this time. Yeah. Because I was thinking Goshen is not exactly lower Egypt. Goshen is kind of East Egypt, lower Egypt being North Egypt where the river flows down. Right. So the, the true Egyptian bloodline still lived further up the Nile. They live in upper Egypt. The Hyksos came in and lived lower Egypt, but they, why they come in, I haven't seen a reason why they come in. I always think it's because of the famine. <clears throat> so if they came in because of the famine, they're not really a thing that's established yet. But Joseph seems to be separating them not from all the new foreigners that are coming in mm -hmm. and separating them not from the Egyptians, but off to the side by themselves as a third, a third separate land Yeah, <clears throat> to keep them separate from everybody. Well, I know, I know <clears throat> when I was reading about the Hyksos, the Egyptians and Hyksos did not, or the Egyptians did not like the Hyksos. No, no. And the Hyksos were shepherds. Yeah. Now I I did write I did write something I just put question mark um interesting that um there is an emphasis on the occupation hey make sure you tell Pharaoh yeah this is what we do and and I know I don't know if it was because there was a negative quotation with shepherds possibly and he's letting yeah. him know hey we're shepherds but you know you trust me or the other side is hey we're shepherds we got our own livestock. We can take care. We're not going to be fully dependent on, you know, your livestock yeah. and and take over what you have going on. We we yeah. have a certain amount that we can handle and we can produce, you know, produce livestock and so forth. Well, we'll see. This is forty-seven <clears throat> six. This is Pharaoh speaking about them. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. If you have any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. So he seems to, even though we see this, uh, their abomination to Egyptian statement happen at the end of 46, Pharaoh either doesn't personally feel that much or he respects them a little bit more because of Joseph. But I do think this is probably, this is what I had written in my notes just thinking about it, is how can you not like the people who are taking care of your food? But <laughs> yeah. how easy is it if we consider uh, people on Capitol Hill in D.C.? Just get that in your mind first. Okay. What do you think they think of farmers out west? Cattle farmers, crop growers. They, this, this guy runs a John Deere. 
and he he plows and takes care of 40 to 90 acres of corn and wheat and all kind of stuff. What do you think the people in, on Capitol Hill in D.C. who work from a briefcase and have a, a nice three-piece suit, they live a life in a suit yeah. and high-dollar Gucci shoes or whatever? I don't know. I'm really shooting from the hip there. <laughs> right. What do you think they think of the people out west that are actually growing the food that makes it to the store, which becomes the food they have to eat? Yeah, probably not much. Yeah. They probably don't think much of them and just <clears throat> hey, get the job done Yeah, is what they are at any means cost and get it done fast. It's probably what they're thinking. Oh, I'm, I guarantee you. I'm, I agree on that. I just know from my own perspective in a secular company, a massive corporate machine, I'm just a piece of meat. That machine is made to chew up a, this piece of meat. But uh, we watched uh, Marky Wahlberg. I'm not sure if it's the new movie. I think it's the newer movie, but it's uh, Deep Water Horizon. You seen it? <clears throat> it's actually a true story. Is that when he's like in a submarine? No, he is on an oil rig. It's not truly an oil rig. It's oh. actually an old drill. They have a contract with BP to drill new holes for oil rigs to be built over. Hmm. So they, yeah. it's actually a floating <laughs> ship that's independent. Once they finish making a pipe, they actually cap it off and leave it for a, a oil rig to be built over. And that becomes a new BP oil station. Gotcha. So at the beginning of the movie, uh, it's like they're on long three to four week shifts and they come back for a while on their own home ground with their families and stuff for the X amount of time. Then they go back out. So you'd have like three to four week shifts of people that go there and work. And when the new crew shows up, those leaving get to go home for a while. But uh, basically, as he and a supervisor for the next shift are going out, some corporate guys show up. And you can tell by looking at them with their ties and suits and stuff that they don't have a clue what the real guys that are out there that are covered in oil working <laughs> in the machinery and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the knowledge that they have to do their job safely and make it actually happen, they're two different worlds. So the corporate guys come out there and basically push nonstop. We're 43 days behind schedule. They're only thinking about schedule and money. And that we have to turn this up. We have to get this project going and start it and call it a finished deal in order to start producing money back into the company. <clears throat> but what are they doing with this, this group that has this drill rig? They're letting it fall into disrepair. They don't take care of it. They're supposed to run certain tests when they, when they do it because there's a, a, a pressure issue. They don't run those tests. They push past those. Why? Because they're losing money. They have a deadline. To... And all they care about is that. So in the end of the movie, the whole thing is uh, on fire in a huge, massive tower of fire, hundreds of feet off the, the ocean surface. And it, I think it blasted out for 87 days. <laughs> <clears throat> 11 men died. This is a true story, but I keep pausing it through the whole movie, telling my wife, see, this is how the company I work for thinks of me. And you just get the job done. I do it every day, and I can come tell you why I couldn't finish it today and why I have to go back tomorrow. And you look at me and tell me I suck as yeah. an employee yeah, because on your number sheet. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, it's like I told you last week, um, <clears throat> last Thursday, we we helped the elementary school up the up the street from our church yeah. for their fall festival, and 
um, me and two other guys. One's, one's a 60-something-year-old man. The other one is 79. And then there's me <laughs> in my late 30s. And we're carrying these big inflatables and yeah. unloading them and, and all this, just us three. And um, I'm walking into the school and back and forth. And finally, I think the third or fourth time I walked in there, um, one of the ladies was like, so we know you're with the church. Are you like the elite, the, the senior pastor or... And I, I said, I said, well, I was the associate, and then um, a few weeks ago they voted, and so yes, now I'm the senior pastor. Like, and the lady said, well, we were having a pool to see if you were the pastor because I said, why? And she was talking about, well, because you were outside working. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't, <clears throat> I've always been, or you know, <clears throat> a pastor that worked, you know, like that did it, that physically did as much as I could, though I had some physical limitations, but. You know, and so in their mind, they're probably thinking the pastor doesn't do anything. He sits in his office. He preaches his sermon. He, he's That's he's in, in his mind. suit. That's in their experience. Well, in their experience, yeah. There you <laughs> go. And so, you know, the same way. And, like, even you um, – and, like, you know, you can get in trouble if you take shortcuts, like, especially, like, remodeling. Like, we talked – Yeah. So, I think we, this has been a while ago. I think when we when you were doing your remodeling of your bathroom, because we're still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while ago. We're still doing it. I don't. Well, we had the conversation. Um, it may have been. I don't know. But you're talking about you have to get this right because the water, the drain. We were probably each, talking about the foundation, and yeah. Greenwood Canyon wouldn't pass it. And so, if you think about, there's a massive hole which used to be a septic tank which is just full of mush, and we pour concrete over that and then try to build a wall on top of it, that one day this beautiful bathroom that we're trying to build is going to fall into the earth and ruin our entire house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to go back and, and do the right thing first and to have a foundation to build on. See, like your house, like you, you do want to take time because you want to do it right. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to like certain jobs or work occupation, yeah, hey, it's okay to take shortcuts. Just get the st- just just get done at this time. I don't care if you. Right. We'll, we might have to come back and work on it later, or re redo some stuff, yeah. or but just just tweak it to get it work to rig it to get it working. Yeah. So when you picture trying to dig out a an eight foot deep six by six hole under a foundation that does a house that already exists <laughs> because you have a bad bad foundation. Picture trying to do that. That's that's the worst time to do that. That it's never going to be correct. No, it's just putting band aids and yeah. band aids and, and and you'll spend more money, I think, in the long run trying you to will. You will. keep it as opposed to if you would have just had the firm. If you just would have had the right foundation, did it yeah. right the first time. Yep, it wouldn't have been as expensive. I mean, it'd be costly, but not as costly. And, and not to go mentioning names <laughs> again because I've done that on Facebook. I do it publicly, but. <laughs> That was a whole issue for somebody I trusted who was trying to take a shortcut on me. Yeah. And to go back and do it yourself, that's when it comes back down to if I were the owner of the corporation, I would be doing it X way. But if I were just the guy in the tower pointing down, well, how do we get on this? Oh, the Hyksos. <laughs> yeah, the Hyksos. <laughs> so uh, Pharaoh wants his, his livestock taken care of properly Yeah. by guys that, are, that have, have a good talent for it. Even though that may be an abomination to the Egyptians, they don't want to eat the same table together or something, there still had to be some kind of understanding. I guess I look back to a life before iPads and that kind of junk and cell phones, and I say there there had to be some, there had to be a greater link between some social classes. Yeah, I'm sure there was. I mean, well, if you think about, you know, 
the famine was coming, could Egypt have handled it as good if Joseph wasn't there? So they saw Joseph's talent as far as yeah. managing the material. Hey, you can only eat certain amounts this time, and and we got to be cautious and careful because yeah. of this, and because the land's not going to produce yeah. after a certain point, et cetera. And so I think as Joseph is kind of giving that information and, and he's saying, hey, well, without him, we'd probably be a lot worse. We'd be just stuffing our mouths. You have to and- wonder, though, if Joseph hadn't been in Egypt to have a plan at all to take care of the famine and when it was coming, Egypt may have suffered just like everybody else in the world. There wouldn't have been a place to go to. Yeah, probably so. But... Because I mean, they're they're you know they're they're Egypt, they're royalty, and they're they're yeah. these high guys. They would have you know enjoyed their food and kept eating the way they kept eating. I'm sure. Yeah. And Joseph was kind of the. I almost have to say though, I think <laughs> that the uh, the royalty probably did keep eating the way they were eating. <laughs> oh, probably so. Because back to the guys on Capitol Hill in D.C. <laughs> if we're having a shortage, uh, or like uh, let, let's let's. let's <laughs> Let's juxtapose D.C. between California, who's having present power cuts from the power company. Yeah. That's just turning the whole grid off. If that were happening in D.C., they would demand that it be fixed so they keep the power on nonstop. Oh, yeah. But since it's in California and they're all green anyway, yeah, yeah they right. can live without power and that kind of stuff for a day or two. Yeah. And, you know, as far as, like, raises go, they always get raises financially. Um you know, hey, we need more money. Let's just print more money, and then we'll give ourselves. A, well, the cost of living will print more money, and the value value dollars will go less. We'll just give ourselves a higher raise, so it'll even out. But yeah, the well, people, they just gotta deal with it. You yeah. know and that. And that's why I've always. I, mean, I know this is politics, but that's why I'm kind of personally against the the minimum raising the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. Because if you raise it to fifteen dollars, the cost of living then will shoot up. Yeah. The cost of you know, groceries and gas, everything's going to move up. If $7 will take care of the minimum wage living level, then, yeah, you're right. When it becomes 15 15 will be required to take care of it because it's going to raise. And 30 will take care of it one day because it will raise. Right. And then one day we'll make it $100 a piece for a regular minimum wage burger flipper. That will actually be required just to have enough yeah. for rent. Yeah. And, it, yeah. And though, but, you know, just like when we talked to, People that lived in, I don't know, the 40s and 30s and yeah. 50s, you know, I got, you know, $20 a week and I lived off that well because the value of the dollar was high. Yeah. The cost of living was very low. Yeah. Um, but as you raised and printed more money and you raised minimum wage and cost of living goes up, so it equals it out, but yeah. then the value of the dollar goes lower. So you need more money to It's be like able when to, you have, uh, you do some kind of research into money exchange into other company uh, countries yep. and you see uh, $8 becomes. Two million rubies or rupees, and you think, "Wow, that's a." <laughs> and but to them, they don't have the penny anymore. They threw the penny out because it was so meaningless anymore to their life. Uh, the exchange rate when I was in Korea before Hassan and I got married was a dollar to five hundred one. So you were always multiplying by a hundred and dividing by two in your mind to try to get what something. You see this on the shelf, and it cost. Uh, 25,000 won. So you're like, wait a minute, that's 55, that's $5. Or I think I'm doing the math right there, but it was always twisted because there was such a, a, you know, a major difference. Yeah. But then you go 
think about it, it's like, well, they don't. These little tiny things that I can find laying on the street because nobody picked them up, they're worthless. And it would be equivalent to what we think of as a penny. There's yeah. no such thing as a penny there. Nobody cares about that. Yeah, it's hard for, like, when I went to Medicare in public, I don't remember what the exchange rate was, but I wanted to buy a painting, and they said, I'm just throwing, I don't remember the exact number, but, it, like, it was, like, 200 whatever. And I'm like, Ugh. and I'm thinking dollars. Yeah. I'm not thinking their money. I'm thinking my money. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm not paying $200 for that. <laughs> and so I said, no, no, no. And they kept following, following me. Okay, okay, 175 uh, I can't pay for that. And they kept dropping it down. It was yeah. like, you know, one one something. And and so the person next to me um, was learning Spanish, and they are very well-versed. And they're like, you know how much that is in our money, right? I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. They're like, it's like $10. So I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I'll pay it for $10. <laughs> but, you know, I'm thinking my money. And they money, went back like, and said, 200 200 <laughs> <laughs> Well, I felt bad after they started negotiating. I'm like, so I could have bought it all along. But my mind was thinking, I don't have $100 to spend on a painting. Yeah. But it was really like yeah. 20 bucks, So it was kind of weird. I had an issue with a guy in Tunisia. I want, They had a, a olive wood, small, a very small, maybe a one-foot square olive wood chessboard. It's honestly made very cheaply. And it didn't actually make it all the way home in the suitcase without breaking oh, some of the glue and stuff. But the olive wood was pretty enough that I wanted to buy it. But it became such a big haggling issue. I, I got my mom in me, so I was ready for that. I like that. <laughs> but uh, he wanted to haggle back and forth. I'm like, it's worth this much to me. I'll give you this. And it, it went back and forth enough that I actually put his item back down and reached for my money in his hand. And he pulled his hand back. And I said, this is the price I'm finished. That's it. And uh, he basically kind of caved, but yeah, it was like I don't know how to think in your money. I just know what what the, the exchange rate is. I know what I'm giving you out of my hand at the moment, and I'm not willing to give you any more. And that's it. <laughs> but you also got to think: here's a guy; that's, he's trying to sell souvenirs for a living. Yeah. yeah. Either way. Yeah, it's kind of hard to. It's always uh, something that's worth what you're willing to give for it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's why I don't have a new truck. <laughs> <laughs> I looked recently thinking, if I go back to X amount of years and I try to go for these these age ranges in trucks and they're still like three times as much as I'm willing to take out of my pocket and give. <laughs> so I don't have one. <laughs> if only we can negotiate prices at stores like at Lowe's or Home Depot. You can if it's a damaged item. Oh, well. Yeah. You get like a, a piece of sheetrock that has a rip or tear in one side or one section. Uh, a lot of times, uh, they don't want, nobody wants to buy that. So they see you looking at sheetrock, they may run over there. I've had them run over there to me, uh, literally run over and say, are you buying a sheet of this? Yeah, I'll give you this sheet for uh, 75% off. Sold. <laughs> I'm thinking like, well, I don't, need a, use it, yeah. I don't need a whole sheet. I just need a part of it. So that's great. Yeah. But... <clears throat> 40, well, let, me, let, me, let me add some 40, chapter 46 okay. notes real quick. Um, verse. Oh. Now that we've talked about the bad, the bad people in Capitol Hill. <laughs> <laughs> now we can go back to the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um, verse 2, it says, And God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. 
um, similar to how God um, talked to Abraham in chapter 22, verse 11, mm-hmm. said Abraham twice, and Abraham said, here I am. Uh, Moses, the exact same way. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am, Ch- Exodus 3, ch- verse 4. Um, so just kind of reiterating God's, you know, there's like a constant way that God's speaking, um, saying his name. And you always repeat your name twice. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, emphasis? I don't know. Like we always speak to children and animals twice. Yogi puppy. Yogi puppy. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, <laughs> sight and squirrel. Hey. Um, <clears throat> so me and my wife and my two girls went to see my mom in Tennessee Sunday after church, and we stayed the night. And we came back Monday evening, and um, so they took us to uh, a safari. Have you ever seen an emu? Like, yeah, cool. yeah. Those are the scariest things. Yeah. Because <laughs> we had a right through the safari with our windows down, and we could feed the animals. Right. Like, so we saw a big elk, we saw a zebra, saw several deer, saw emu. <laughs> emu was the most scariest to me. <laughs> the ostrich was probably number two. Yeah. The thing was a long neck and just poking at the food. It was kind of. Anyway, it was kind of funny. But <laughs> we watched a squirrel yesterday. He was going down to the bottom side of the driveway. He would go get an acorn, pick one out, take him a minute too, and he'd pick one out, come back up in the top yard, and plant it. And he'd go back down in the bottom part of the yard again. And he would take a minute. And he would pick another acorn out, and then he would come back up to the front yard, dig a different hole, a different spot, and plant it. Hey, look at that squirrel going down. <laughs> Squirrels drive me crazy when you're driving and they're like, which way to go? Which way to go? Especially when you're driving, you're like, move. <laughs> but I'm not slowing down. There's a whole bunch of people right now listening saying, just hit them. <laughs> I can't. I can't either. <laughs> it's hard. Like, I'll, I'll try to slow down as much as I can to give them a chance, but then, like, he moves at the last minute. I think it's a game for them. I think they're like, <laughs> all right, it's your turn. <laughs> okay. And then they, like, go, like, Seeing how long they can last. I always give them a good horn honk. It, it seems should, to scare them into a direction better. I should do that. You give them a I horn honk, and what they were thinking about suddenly becomes a solid idea. They jump. <laughs> <laughs> I was considering, oh, go, 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 so, go, go. I hear noise. Go. Yep. Okay. I like that. I like back, that. Back to Genesis again. <laughs> back to Genesis. <laughs> um, so Beersheba, I think we've talked about it before. Um, Beersheba is about, roughly about 30 miles from where Joseph's at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where Ishmael and Hagar are sent away in Genesis 21. It's the place where Abraham kind of set his tent, 22:19, and it's the place where God appears to Isaac, Genesis 26:23 through 25, and also Isaac builds an altar there. Um, no, I'm sorry, Abraham builds an altar there yeah. as well. Um, so it's it's where Isaac blesses Jacob. Genesis 26 through 28 chapters. Um, so all three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, lived or, or have been here and built altars here, and God spoke to them here. Um, it's where the covenant continued on to Jacob from Ishmael. Uh, this is also where um, the territory was shared between Simeon and Judah. Um, and like we talked about, Judah was kind of like the one that helped try to initiate saving um, or being a helper for Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Um, and so, and Simeon has been regarded as like, you know, in some Jewish traditions that I was reading, um, though it's not implied as, as people were guessing that Simeon was one of the main brothers that was trying to get rid of Joseph. Yeah. He wanted to kill Joseph and 
they were like, eh, let's let's not kill him. So it's kind of interesting that they ended up being let's kind not, of let's, let's not like like kill him, kill him. <laughs> let's just like sell him. <laughs> um, and sell him, kill him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, where is the verse where it says offered sacrifices? Why do I not? Um, where'd it go? Um, I had it written. And is it 46.1? Yes, I'm sorry, 46.1. Thank yeah, you. you were already in 46.1, yeah. but I think your thinking yeah. was that you were beyond the, the verse yeah. of the next so, idea. Um, so Ezra Still took his there. journey, all that he had, he came to Bathsheba and offered sacrifices to God, his father's Isaac. Um, so I thought it was interesting that the, that word, so it's two English words, but it's one Hebrew word, zavach. And so... I didn't get too tied down into doing like the 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 picture meaning and the number the number meaning on everything, but yeah. for some reason I was curious about sacrifices and what this word means, and so it's three letters, and so I'll give you first the pictures, um, and I'm gonna see if you can just kind of make sense of it. Um, so the pictures are a weapon to cut off or prune or harvest, but it's a weapon. Um, the second letter is a tent or house, and the third letter is an inner room, like for sanctuary, private, or favor. Oh. So you have inner room, a tent, and a weapon. So again, you're thinking of offer. You're thinking about offer sacrifices. Yeah. So you have a wep. You know, you place the sacrifice in the inner house or in the in, in the inner room of the tent, yeah. and you use a weapon. Use the weapon to, um, to kill it. So and then the numbers. Um, the first number is completeness or perfection, which is the number seven. The number two, which is separation, mm-hmm. or also represents God the Son as the second part of the Trinity. Eight. And and number eight, which is yeah. eternity or new beginning. So sacrifice of the Son is completeness and gives us new creation. So really the core of a sacrifice is all about going back to the Son. So I thought it was kind of interesting that Though there's a lot of different sacrifices, the core Hebrew word for it points back to the sun giving us perfection and giving us new Where'd creation. Where'd you get the sun again? I missed that. Um, in ba- Zed? Bait. 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 Okay. It is number two. Is second the, letter? Is the second letter, yeah. And it's the second the second part of the Trinity. is So it's yeah. difference, okay. good or evil, separation, or God the Son. And so either one. Um, so Neat. I just thought it was kind of interesting that the core of sacrifices all pointed to Jesus um, in the Hebrew. So, um, so and I thought, you know, don't and think they're also a- going down to their son. Jacob is going down to his son hmm. for being to be saved from the famine. Huh. That's a good point, too. It's all layered in, yeah. woven in. Hmm. <laughs> So, and I put, you know, don't think of the person Israel doing the offering sacrifices, but think of all believers doing the sacrificing to God and eventually um, being rescued from Jesus, for Jesus, by Jesus. Um, And this is actually the last time it's recorded that God speaks to the patriarchs until the time of Moses. So um, as God's kind of finalizing his voice or finalizing the point of, okay, Hmm. here, here's the time you, Here's what I called you, you know, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll make your sons as numerous as the stars. That whole 
process through that covenant building. So this is the last time right before Jacob dies, and and it's the last time God speaks until Moses continues on. He said, I'm going to build your descendants as numerous as stars, and then doesn't talk to them until that's done. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so again, God reminds Jacob he's still the God of that promise of that covenant. Just a, just a reminder. Um, and I put verse two, you know, God spoke to him in visions. Visions are not words. God speaks through illustrations, things we, um, you know, revelation, a big thing, um, not just words, but there's so much imagery. And so sometimes God does speak through um, visions, but, um, and I put again, God's, um, you know, speaking, um, he says, I am God, another I am phrase or statement, I am God. Yeah. Um, so, and forward, just my last couple of note. my last note on this is, Verse 28, um, he had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. And so jo- Judah's whole mission was implied to escort Joseph to his family. So, again, he's putting a lot of emphasis on Judah being the one son that's kind of um, bringing, yeah. bridging the gap between, you know, Joseph and uh, Jacob. So. And of course, you know, Jesus came from Judah, which is kind of interesting yeah. later. But um, yeah, he's bridging a gap in between two, a father and and a, and a son has been lost. Yeah, that being us. Yeah. So, so that's so all what's I interesting got. to me when you look at pictures that you can see the same character playing multiple levels. If you examine what's below that character, he plays a higher level. You know, that sounds dumb to say, but of course. <laughs> right. And then if you examine him as what's above him, you see that he's also playing the role of a lower picture type. Hmm. Yeah. Like Moses being a, a prophet to God, but Aaron being a prophet to Moses. Hmm. He's the mouthpiece and Moses is the God to him. Hmm. So you kind of, I've always called it role shifting, but that right there seems to have Joseph being a, a role shift between being, he's a Jesus type all the time, but when Judah steps in this this sentence and becomes the Jesus type. Yeah. Joseph becomes us. <clears throat> so, so that's it for 47, 46, 46. I'm sorry. Did you go through 47 too just now? Yeah, that was 47. Was I asleep? Yeah, that was 47. <laughs> 47 had the, um, no, it was 46. Literally. <laughs> it was 46. <laughs> I thought just, you were jumping on my joke and being serious with me like, yep, you just missed it. No, I was being serious because we're on chapter 50. <laughs> you just missed the last three okay, chapters. Okay, on to Exodus 12. <laughs> Next chapter. God showed up and appeared. Sweet. The end. You know. uh, Genesis 47 then. Yes, 47. Uh, f- just to, to get us back on track with something, year 2299. From Adam. It's year 2299. That's the dating system that I think Scripture gives us, but we're 2299 from Adam right now. And Jacob is standing in front of Pharaoh at 130 years old. Hmm. This is uh, one of those things. I couldn't find the note again, but I have read it in some Jewish commentary. Things like what day Moses was born on that kind of stuff. You start looking at some of it, it's like, well, that's some pretty good reasoning. This appears because of, let's see, what what verse is it coming off of? 
Exodus 12, 40 and 41 says they came out of Egypt 430 years to the day, which means they went into Egypt 432, 430 years to the day before mm-hmm. that, before, before Moses is writing this. They must be keeping up with it. But in that sense, when they come out, they came out on Pesach, Passover, which means that Jacob is standing here meeting Pharaoh on Passover. Hmm. Passover doesn't exist yet, but it, it is a B fourteen basically. Hmm. Just just something to throw out there, but let's see a little bit about because we have talked about it before. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. Mm-hmm. Joseph settled his family in the land of Ramses, <laughs> as Pharaoh commanded. So we we've talked about it before though that uh, let's see I go back. My page 24 and 25 of my notes. Basically, we looked at a bunch of different verses between Genesis 41, Genesis 47, and Psalm 78. It lets us know that, let's see, there's also more Goshen's than just one. But basically, in the end, uh, Goshen is Ramses, is Zoan, is Tanis, is Avarice. And then today we come down to uh, San El Hagar. A lot of different names for that same area, but because I've had a discussion before with people who are like, Babylon is not Shinar. It, it, yes, it is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> This is getting to the statement I wanted to make on on uh, the government situation here that I haven't noticed this way before. So through four, 47, chapter 47, verse 14, just putting these real bluntly, Joseph gathered all the money. 47, 16, Joseph answered, give me your livestock. Uh, 18 through 19, the people come back and offer we and our land. So 20 through 22, Everyone is a in everyone in Egypt is a slave, not just Jews, except the land of the priest who were already receiving a handout from Pharaoh. So the priests of, of the, the Egyptian religion are not going to become slaves. They still actually have possessions and stuff. So we would say slavery, but that word is just a dirty word, right? We would say mm-hmm. that's bad on, on all terms, at all times, no matter what. Yeah. Normally this section of scripture is viewed as Joseph becoming a tyrant over people. He's just a really bad guy. How dare he, right? But as I looked at this, so just did it kind of in two little outlines. Number one, Joseph gives the slaves of Pharaoh. Number two, the seed of Pharaoh. Number three, to go plant on the land of Pharaoh. Number three, then he asked for a tax for Pharaoh of 20%, which is not a tax if you think about it. We think that's outrageous because when I mention this to my wife, uh, the first thing she says is, yeah, God only asked 10%. Well, this is not God. This is a Pharaoh. This is a government official. It's apples and oranges. It's got nothing to do with each other. So if Pharaoh only wants 20%, I pay 30 stinking percent to the U.S. government of my paycheck. <laughs> so 
God only asked 10 percent. Pharaoh only needed 20 percent. The U.S. government needs 30 <laughs> percent. If you think about it and start looking at it, we think, oh, we got freedom. Um, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> We're paying more. So I wanted to, to just take a step back and look at this in reality. Number one, which was the slaves of Pharaoh, 100% of the people are slaves to Pharaoh. Basically, 100% of the seed is Pharaoh's. 100% of the land is Pharaoh's. 100% of the produce of the land is Pharaoh's. None of it's theirs. It's not a tax of 20%. Joseph gifted the people 80% of the production that was never theirs to begin with. Hmm. So we look at it like this whole thing is a communistic-style government, like the Bible is endorsing that. Yeah. If we want to speak against slavery and speak against government programs, we can use this right here and say, see, all the people de- uh, depended on the government, and they all became slaves of the government. But this little, this little different factor in here that's called Joseph makes this plan out, and the Bible even tells us that he had it fixed so that from now on people would pay 20% to Pharaoh, but he gifts them 80% of the production that was never theirs. This is like a company giving their employees 80% commission on whatever they produce. But these are not employees either. They're slaves. Mm-hmm. So I can't go like a union member right. and say this is not fair. This is more than fair. If you consider it this way, Joseph works for Pharaoh. He's looking out for the people still, though. If the people work hard, they actually become rich on their own. I've never seen this this way in this passage, but if they work hard, what they produce, the the hoes and the shovels and the rakes are not theirs. The land's not theirs. The seed's not theirs. And whatever they produce is not theirs. And Joseph says, you can 80% of it. So when they finish this process at the end of it, if they're starting now, they've had two years of famine when this, this takes place. Uh, excuse me. At this point in the famine, I don't know how long they are. The last chapter, he tells his brothers there's five years left. Yeah. Either way, whatever they produce, at the end of this process, they possess 80% of all the grain in Egypt. The people actually become rich by working harder. So (laughs) we can call Joseph's system slavery and communism, but at its core, he's actually implementing capitalism. Hmm. It's interesting. Just saying. Uh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Those who work harder will have more possessions. And they're actually borrowing, they're not using their own tools, their own land, so they're making a profit just on their work, not necessarily yeah. the, the actual instruments themselves. This is like borrowing $100 from a bank, or you know, I'm using that number round. Yeah. It's like borrowing $100 from a bank, going and doing whatever you want to do with it. The money was not yours. The things that you bought with it are technically not yours. And then you start a business with that $100 and you make $200. And then you can go back and give the bank $100 and 20 and keep the 80 to keep doing whatever you want to in your business. And you don't owe, owe them any interest either. <laughs> it's not actually borrowing any money. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> smart. It's smart. But you, you look at Joseph in this light now and consider what he's done with the people. They're not even asking for this. He's blessing them with better than they asked for. And I, you know, I think, so, you know, people that don't read the Bible, you know, Pharaoh is just a title. It's not the same person. 
in Exodus. <laughs> There's yeah. many pharaohs. It's like a president. You know, yeah, if, like a you, Caesar. Yeah. So, I mean, so this pharaoh was actually obviously nice, but as time went on is when you got the harsher yeah. pharaoh who just, well, which we'll talk about at some point. But <clears throat> So yeah. this pharaoh was smart next, to next listen podcast. to. Yeah. So this, this pharaoh <laughs> was actually smart to listen to Joseph. Um, and Joseph earned favor with him. They had a yeah. good relationship um, that grew over the years. So. But yeah, I never thought about the capitalism and, and that whole. I've never seen it. Yeah, that was Looking at this. Because <clears throat> you see the tax, you're like, oh man, it's outrageous. <laughs> well. <laughs> and I know, I know like some people get mad at the tithing to the church. Like, why do I have to give money to the church? Can't God bless the the church and God, you know. He could, but he he asks the people to be managers of the money he gives. Yeah. Even though we don't see him as giving us the money, he gives us the job. This is his world. <laughs> this yeah. is his land. Yeah. All the ideas he implemented in people's minds. I mean, everything in that he is implemented the, the mind, the the idea in the mind of the guy who told the hirer about you, <laughs> yeah. who called you and said, "There's an opening over here. Do you want to come interview for it?" Yeah, those things. Yeah, those. We're back to the uh, free will versus God's sovereignty situation. How do you pinpoint what yeah. move was was which one? Yeah, and you really can't. No, but either way, that's you could be a good engineer and build a nice ship, or you could build a nice ship and proclaim that even God couldn't sink it and <laughs> watch it sink into the ocean. <laughs> that's right. Either way, but. Found uh, just a neat, it's just a neat numbers thing that uh, one of the Jewish Bible commentaries on the, the side of the page said that Joseph, uh, Jacob spends the first 17 years of Joseph's life with him. He comes down here to Egypt, sees him again, and spends the last 17 years of his own life with Joseph. Because huh. he, he met Pharaoh at 130, dies at 147 in this chapter, chapter 47. So he's 17 years with him again. Again, it's always odd to consider the time that passes when you flip a page in the Bible. Yeah. Instead of thinking, oh, this happened, like, you know, in Acts, uh, miracles were happening every day. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. We, we read it, you know, there's a lot of time in between verses sometimes. I guess considering, though, uh, what it reads like in react, if you put the true timeline on it, we probably have just about the same amount of miracles spread out over our our living life and our experience in church. Because, hmm. I mean, we haven't seen somebody's arm grow back that got cut off, but I haven't. <laughs> I, I do know a guy who says he has seen that. Yeah, I've met people that have seen things grow back or things fall off that you know wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. You know. I've never personally seen any of that. But. Extra fingers? Never heard of that one. <laughs> Extra fingers fall off that weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I heard a guy, I don't remember who, where it came from, but, you know, if you think about it, you know, we think everything was by design and you think the earth is constantly rotating at the same speed and the sun stays in its position and the, you know, et cetera, everything stays in the same position. He's like, yeah. if you think that's not a miracle that we're, we're not falling off into space, 
Well, I mean, it took millions constantly. of years for that to happen, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> Eventually, we'll all fall off the earth. <laughs> yeah, when it slows down and loses its gravitational pull, we'll just float off. Well, I keep wanting to start an argument with someone about this climate change thing. Like, do I think climate change is real? Kind of, yes. But I don't believe it's as... I think it's real. It happens every year. Well, I don't believe it's... Yeah. <laughs> Call them seasons. Every seasons, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that, you know, it's to the extent of we're all going to perish in 2029 or whatever the year. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but I always want to say, you know, if, if people, and some, and some of the people are atheists, and I want to say to the atheist that believes in this climate change thing, like, how do you know that climate change is not the next evolving step? Because yeah. evolving doesn't end that humanity. Or should we should be constantly evolving? Right. How do you know we're not a part of the final, or not the final, but the next step evolving that we become bacteria, we become well, climate, we become. We might should ask this then: How did what does evolution say about how we became different colors? And that has to do with environment. Mm. And we don't think anything from an evolutionary standpoint. If you ask a non-believing evolutionary believer, yeah. Non, non-God believing, evolutionary believer, from a, from that standpoint, is being black or being white or Mexican any different than each other? No, they're just areas that they lived. Those people lived in. They adapted. So you're right in saying if climate change comes and it adapts the human race by killing a large majority of us, isn't that natural? Yeah, it's natural selection. Yeah, that's why I just Darwin. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you're right. I mean, you went like that's why I, you know, people, people are always thinking human, or you know, when I, when I speak to, we'll say atheists because they don't believe in God. Um, you know, humanity, 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 human rights, save people. It's all about our feelings and uh, like. Yeah. Evolution is not about humanity. It's about survival. Yeah. And, and whatever evolving step happens. <clears throat> it's just right. the next process. So who cares about hum- why care about humanity? Yeah. We should care about just living until we die. I mean, you heard that, uh, <clears throat> and I forget what proper to say, that some global warming group, uh, group stopped using the polar bear as their emblem, their icon. Huh. Why? Because the polar bear is not dwindling. Their numbers are not going down. Their numbers since they that group started have actually multiplied by five. <laughs> so the article I read was, it was it was not Babylon B, but it was almost the, the sarcasm in it was almost Babylon B-like. So uh, since you have not died off polar bear, screw you. We're not using <laughs> we're, you anymore. We're going to find another extinct animal. We're almost extinct, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I got The problem I found when I researched global warming was all the information or the, all the data is presented in a skewed manner. And if you just keep researching more, you start finding out that this exists and it was not, this piece of data exists and it was not mentioned in this other study. It was not included. So what is missing there, what seems to fill the gap is the, the point of the agenda in, in the whole. Huh. So the information was being constantly presented in certain ways Oh yeah, it's just it's a pile of lie. Yeah, let me just be, be blunt there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you've done your study on on that. 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed um, that. And I didn't really want to do it, but after I got into it, I started seeing this is valuable stuff for me to to have for uh, for the sake of Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you in forty eight? Yeah. Anything you want to wrap? Uh, just the, the blessing of the firstborn stuff here, <clears throat> which Jacob doesn't follow. He wasn't the firstborn, and he doesn't bless the firstborn. He blesses the secondborn of the, the two sons of Joseph. Um, we've already talked about this before, too. There's so many things out here that we've already talked about before. Yeah. But there's yeah. very rare blessed firstborns yeah. in the Bible. Blessed by God, at least. Well, Jacob's a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> he is all the time. One of the... Uh, of course, one of the things I'm I'm writing right now for one of the reports I have to do on my own life, uh, I compare because whenever I read about Jacob and Esau in the Bible, I always think of me and my brother. Uh, my brother got the good part of Esau. I got the bad part of Esau. But for the most part, I'm Jacob, and he's Esau. He's, he's a, a man's man, hunter kind of guy who has tons of guns of all kinds of neat guns and stuff like that. Uh, I'm Harry. Other than that, because when my mother-in-law met me, she she touched my the hair on my arm and, and looks at my wife and says, "Hey, so, thanks." <laughs> but but uh, other than that, honestly, he has not. He does attend church. He is a believer, but he's like the kind of believer you expect to find out of a a hunter who works on his own truck. He's not like digging into theolo- theology yeah. and really discussing the finer points of God's sovereignty versus free will. Not, that's not his concern. Uh, he's concerned with uh, acknowledging that he's a sinner, believes in Jesus, and that his family does the same thing so they can all go to heaven. Nothing wrong with that. Right. I'm just saying he's always been on that level like Esau was kind of on that level. Jacob stayed in the tents with his, his mother or with the women. I remember a specific vacation or trip that we took one time, Gatlinburg, there's Cade's Cove, if you've ever been to Cade's Cove. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've heard of it, but I've never been. It's basically like a, a national park kind of res, uh, pres, preservation now. There is, or last time I was there, there was still a man living there in a house. But most of the houses are 1800s log cabin type things. There's several churches around the loop, but it's a valley surrounded by mountains. And an 11-mile loop goes around that. that has, that's been paved. Hmm. Huh. But there's picnic areas and that kind of stuff, and there's an old area that has a large parking lot you can get out and walk into, look at uh, an old mill that still works. The river is still has a trough that's been man-made, built, that comes to the water wheel, still turns it, the gears still work inside, it still gr- uh, grinds up corn and that kind of stuff to make meal. And uh, so it's all working stuff. You can walk around and see all those things. But that day... We were with, we always camped with two or three families, and all the men and all the brothers, the sons, were going to take their bikes, load up, and go to Cage Cove and ride the 11 mile loop that day. And I didn't go because I didn't want to go away from mom for a whole day. I was a mama's boy, and I have never forgot that I did not go on that trip. I stayed in tents with the women. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't go stealing like firstborn blessing and stuff, but 
I've been the one like what we're sitting here doing now. I've been the one that got into spirituality and religion, et cetera, and I was been searching. Right. But uh, I do think there's there's some different things about his life versus my life in our adult years. Even though if if I look at me, my life and examine me by the world standards, I'm not blessed. He's blessed. If I look at me by the Bible standards, then that takes me into looking at an eternal vision, eternal perspective. Yeah. I am the one that's blessed, and he's going to make it, but I'm actually going to come out on a different level that I, just by the things that I have said to God, yes, that's important to me. Those are the same things that God says, David, this is important to me. Yeah. And I say, okay, I agree, and I get into those things. So, that you know, as we're talking though throughout these podcasts, that's why I'm in. Uh, that's why I'm in my X year of Bible college, because I had a buddy and a wife that talked me into going. <laughs> that's why we're sitting here now. But those things, uh, I'm not. I'm not the firstborn, but I think I'm the more blessed in, in my opinion. Yeah. In a lot of ways, but. So J- uh, Jacob gives away the the blessing of growth and, and population and everything and land to uh, Ephraim. And he ends, ends up becoming east and west. Uh-huh. Is he east and west or is Manasseh? Manasseh had a west Manasseh. Let me look back before I speak. I'm telling you wrong. There's Manasseh and then there's East Manasseh on the other side of the Jordan. But being on the other side of the Jordan is a problem anyway. <laughs> there's 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 issues there to be discussed. So Yeah. Ephraim does though that it does become euphemistic for the whole northern kingdom. Huh. Huh. You checking them out? <laughs> I spent a lot of time with these maps recently more, so well it's good to look at maps and kind of know where things are and before we started doing or saying that we're gonna do podcast this week, I have just for my own study in the mornings been in uh New Testament and Acts and Paul's letters and stuff. I've told you about that. Yeah. But uh I have been flipping constantly back and forth between uh the Mediterranean maps in the back and looking for place names like Paul writes one letter and says uh, so-and-so left and went here so-and-so left and went here so-and-so left and went here I sent this guy over there if nothing else because we don't really know where that letter's written but those places must not be where he is he must be in another place besides those places because those places in that mention are quote-unquote there they're not here but that's what I've been in and so it's just kept me all over the the Mediterranean map recently (laughs) (laughs) But 49, tribal blessings. I'll tell you yeah. what I wrote on that. Okay, yeah. Genesis 49, tribal blessings. I got into reading a, reading through it and reading about it, never wrote any notes on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's all the blessings to all his sons. You have anything on that? No, not really. Okay, that's, that's what I was saying too, that <clears throat> we don't need to bug down that right now. Yeah. I'd rather do that when we get almost near the end of Deuteronomy sometime. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. every time you read uh, any place where there's a, the the tribal list name or name list, 
you could spend a lot of days flipping back and forth between those sections, making notes of who is not mentioned and why is it mentioned in a different order. And I'll yeah. do that. Yeah. Once we get to the, the actual end part of where the land they're settled and everything, yeah. then you can go back and look at the beginning and, and lead up to that moment. Yeah. 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 So I didn't put anything really for that. Then of course, Jacob finally goes on to the promised land. Well, <laughs> the spiritual promised land. In a box. So. And we've talked about the Hittites. By the time they see the end of uh, the end of Joseph, Jacob's life when it, basically they're buried and he's go to his people, end of chapter 49, we're at year 2316. Huh. That's from Adam. Everything that we've discussed and read, 2,316 years. Hmm. Doesn't seem that long. <laughs> Not that long ago. Like it was yesterday. Like five or six years we started this ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anything else on 49? No, no. All right. Well, the last chapter of 50. Last log. That's from a show I'm watching. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. Inside. So what you got on 50? My last uh, notes end with the word blessings, as in tribal blessings. <laughs> <laughs> I just continue reading. I didn't write any notes at all about it. I figure whatever you have will. I didn't really put anything either. I just put a continuation of the story. <laughs> continuation. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I didn't see a whole lot of extra things just kind of really closing out, summarizing and, and finalizing um, everything, which leads to, you know, the death of Joseph. Um, you know, first you have death of uh, Jacob and then, you know, everything kind of the blessing and the and everything. Uh, and then just, you know, God talks about um, why do you think Jacob was embalmed? That's what the culture down. Okay. I don't know. I read a note of Jewish study Bible talking about they're not sure why he was embalmed because that was against Jewish law. Hmm. There was no Jewish law yet. So right. throw that out the window and forget it. Yeah. I read something recently and I wrote that in <laughs> these book reports I have had to do for teachers, it's amazing how often I can rip one of the books they assign me and those are the ones they write me an email about commenting on my book report <laughs> and they actually give compliments or at least roundabout commentary of saying good work thank you for an honest opinion but i mean you you told me to read this and i think it's total junk one of those was comparing uh, uh a later law that was not established at the time of the happening of the story so he applies a later law to that story just in passing in his his explanation of why he thinks a certain thing, I mean, that's useless. That's dumb. It doesn't go together. <laughs> but either yeah. way, for this embalming thing, there is no law yet. And I just wondered what your opinion was. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just figured it was probably the culture of Egypt that Joseph kind of may have adapted. Um, Cause you know, I know Egypt like kind of mummifies and yeah. all that. So I just thought it was part of the culture. I did, I did um I don't remember what my note was but I did write about you know when um 
they, you know, they're constantly making these, building these altars and making these sacrifices. Yeah. And this is before any of the sacrificial laws were put into place. And I just kind of wrote that they had a, such a close relationship with God that he didn't have to tell them or put as a law or a command. It was just more of, this is what I do. This is, this is how to please him. So this is, you know, yeah. So I think, you know, even before laws were given, they still knew how to act in a certain way to, to please God. So, um, Let's see, they went, I'm just counting it up just because it's, makes me wonder. They Didn't they mourn for him before they buried him across the Jordan seven days? Mm. Yeah, verse 10. So they did the uh, yep. the embalming, which requires 40 days, and then they wept for him 70 days. And then they carry him to Canaan area. This is one note I thought was pretty interesting I had read is that for some reason they went, instead of going from Egypt straight into Canaan, they went from Egypt, circled around the other side of the Jordan, stayed there, mourned for seven days, and then went across the Jordan to bury him. Why did they take that odd route when they could have just simply gone straight into Canaan? (laughs) They're the world power. Yeah. Nobody could really object to them. Hmm. That's 117 days without the travel counted. That's a good question. Let's see. 365, 300. That's wrong. I did it wrong. <laughs> 248 days. That basically took a third of a year, three months in a way, or a little over three months to take care of this whole Barry and dad thing. That was, yeah. I don't even think about uh, all the time he spent away from his dad. They come back together again, spend 17 more years, has kids. So he's granddad in Joseph's eyes and then finally dies. Think about yeah. 117 days, three months to, to weep. That's not unheard of really. Yeah. Think. Well, you know, I, I kind of wonder if the the brothers kind of acted on because they knew now that dad was gone, Joseph is, there's no yeah. one stopping Joseph from, yeah. you know, f- giving us a new one. Like I actually giving us a new one. <laughs> because, because, you know, later, <laughs> yeah, later in the 50th chapter, um, it talks about their fear. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, Joseph, verse 19 Joseph said to them, do not fear fire. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. And I think, um, thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So, um, evidently they were still kind of in fear that when their dad died, like Joseph was going to, okay, now the gig's up. Now he's going to show his true colors. And again, Joseph reiterated guys, stop it. I told you before, I'll tell you again that God set this up so that people would still be alive, including them. And so, uh, so it could be that too. Um, I have a note here. I didn't see till now about, uh, chapter 20 or excuse me, chapter 50 verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt. He and his father's house, 
Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, so on and so on. Joseph was over Egypt if he was retaining his title and position. He was over Egypt for 80 years, 54 more years after Jacob died. Huh. That's crazy. <laughs> Talking about our uh, government, I mean, he, he didn't have to be elected or nothing. He just stayed in office once he got in office. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you're doing a good job, you know. I get it. Is that a requirement? We need to we need to make a trip to Washington. Well, sometimes I hate I hate there's goods and bads. Like I hate it that four years is really not a lot of time to get things done, especially when you have House and Senate and you have the political parties and they're always arguing and fighting and yeah. it's just hard to get anything done in four yeah. years. You know what you're, that means? What you just said? No, it means you're getting old. <laughs> when four years passes by quickly, you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> just say I don't pick up my newspaper and start reading the news again, or you know, I never read, really read the newspaper a whole lot <laughs> again. <laughs> Mom and Dad asked me the other day, said, "Do you watch the news?" No. Why would I? <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> There's nothing on there that I need to know about. No, not really. It's the same old stuff. If you scroll through for, uh, social media like Facebook stuff, you're going to see pe- people posting comments about so and so did this, and then you're going to find out anyway. Yeah, like but. Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. Becoming a Christian. I didn't see that in the news. I saw that on Facebook. So, so. did I. <laughs> I was skimming. I said, oh, well. And then I read some people were, you know, oh, it's a fad. And he, or, oh, he's just doing it as a publicity stunt. And I'm like, hey, give Our local chance. nobodies who are not famous do the same thing for, for publicity. Yeah. Just to be up front of the church, get known. I just said, give him a chance. I mean. We don't know, yes or no, but and this is a, this is one of the verses that I, I I don't like when Paul wrote it, but he talks about um, hey, there's some people doing it with the wrong motive and getting all this money, but hey, guess what? Yeah, Jesus being preached, that's all that matters. I'm like, come on, Paul, <laughs> you're supposed to lay into him a little bit, yeah. like you know, and, and and I'm glad that Benny Hinn came out and and spoke against the prosperity thing. He says, hey, guess what? I was wrong. I hadn't heard that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he came. He came out and I said, should have watched the news. I don't remember. <laughs> he came out. Um, I don't remember who was interviewing him, but he said um, he was contemplating even saying it because he has tons of friends in the prosperity gospel movement. Yeah, and most of his friends are in there, and he's like, you know, but he's he said, you know, I was encouraged. I needed to do it, and so he said. I'll start reading the Bible when God says, "This is not real." You got it wrong. Yeah, and God started speaking to him, and he was just—he started weeping and crying, and just—and so he says, "I pronounce it to you: the prosperity gospel is not true. It's not real. It's not the gospel." Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Wow!" And so he says, "You know, I've read the Bible, and, I'll, and he admitted he was wrong." And then people were blasting him, "What are you going to do with the money that you took from all these people?" And I'm like, "Guys." I mean, what was he supposed to do? Like, I mean, uh, he didn't take money. People gave him money. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not agreeing or defending him. I don't like him or dislike him. I'm just saying. Yeah. He was doing ministry. People were giving him money. Yeah. Why? Why is he going to try to co- call them all back? That he's taking money from the last twenty years and 
try to give it back to them. Right. Yeah. Honestly, if uh, you got a preacher who's preaching the prosperity gospel to you, and you give him money, you are probably not reading your Bible, so you you're not informed, and that's half of that's your fault too. That's true. That's a good point. Go open the book. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Because I'm reading the book, and if a prosperity gospel teacher stands up, starts preaching to me, and I see what he's teaching, and he starts passing the offering plate around, I'm not giving him a dollar. Done. Yeah, pretty simple. It's real easy. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Genesis is over. (laughs) It only took us a year. They embalmed him, and he was put into a coffin in Egypt. The end. The end. <laughs> it's roll credits. It's only took us over a year to do. I really don't know. I'm curious. Well, let me go back and look at see. Uh, let's see, there's Abraham, Genesis one, May fifteenth, two thousand seventeen. <laughs> see, we were doing those weekly for a while. Yeah. And then our schedules just kind of got bombarded, so they went every other week. Yeah. And then last year, we just didn't do any, but one, I think. A whole year? Yeah. I think we only did one. Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the dates on my notes. May 15, 2017 was Genesis 1. Uh, yeah, 2017. I'd hate to go back and read my notes now. And see, how, see how dumb I was. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, that's what I'll do in a couple of years. Yeah. Read, read the notes from today, see how dumb I am. <laughs> read, like, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> Look right here. All I wrote was Genesis 49, Tribal Blessings. That was the end of my notes. <laughs> Can't even publish that. <laughs> hey, you got any commentary on chapter 49? Yeah. Here. It's one page, one line. This one, it's just two words. It's not even a whole line. Just two, two words. <laughs> Oh. You got any commentary on chapter 50? Yeah, that's my commentary on chapter 49. <laughs> yeah, God's good. <laughs> Goodbye, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, he was put into a coffin. That's it. <laughs> well, they embalmed him too. Yep. Uh, I, wanna, I do want to see what the word for embalmed there is. Just wondering. Probably has a root word that means suck the juice out. <laughs> to, as a verb, it's used for to embalm, spice, to make spicy. <laughs> so every time you eat some very, very hot salsa, you are slightly embalming yourself. <laughs> All right, well. You're pickling yourself to become spicy. <laughs> 